I am Betty Collins, and this is Inspiring Women, a podcast presented by my company, Bradyware. This is the podcast that advances women toward economic, social, and political achievement. And I, Betty Collins, am here to inspire you today on your journey in life, which includes so many things. This is all about you. I am thankful that you're listening, but more importantly, that you're investing time in yourself. You can find more about inspiring women in this episode on the resources tab at BradyWare.com. Today, I'm going to go out on a limb taking on a subject matter that I know really not a lot about, but I'm intrigued by it. The topic is mindful improv. I have an expert today who's going to educate my audience, but they're also going to, she's going to educate me. So we'll see how this goes. We'll see how improv we are, right? If you want different results in your business, though, maybe you need to do something different. And that would apply to any area of your life. So taking a chance on a new approach, you know, maybe that's just what you need to do or at least be open to it. So what attracts me to this guest is the different approach for a very common issue that we all have in business and certainly in our society, which is conflict and division. And maybe we just need to navigate through these times we live with a different method and approach. You know, the overall goal um, when she goes in and helps businesses or um, places, even nonprofits, we'll talk about that is to help the leaders in that business navigate conflict effectively and restore unity in the group and ultimately achieve whatever their goal is together. And I say that in all caps if if you saw this on uh, (laughs) one of my social media accounts. My guest is a professional woman with a lot of passion who I know because of her dad Um, We went to the same college back in 1984, so it tells you how old I am and probably how old she is, and he introduced us thinking we might be a good pair. I have great stories about Ron, uh, but we'll focus on improv instead. So Andrea Flack Weatherhold holds a BS, uh, a BSW from Bluffton University and spent the early part of her career working on a research project focused um, on addiction-related behavior. Andrea gained training and performance experience as an improviser in Pittsburgh and New York City before, before beginning to investigate that they overlap maybe between an improv ability to adapt to rapid change and the scientific aspects of behavior. Again, I told you this was going to be a lot different, right? The evidence-based methods, though, studied by scientists in helping the professions and the very practical skills improvisers use to build confidence, collaboration, and effective communication in rapidly changing environments. The result is a unique, immersive learning experience that has been transforming, empowering leaders, HR personnel, and and those cultural stakeholders for the past four years. It's really what she's built her company on. Outside of her corporate work, um, Andrea founded the Peace Building Conspirators, which is a diverse, multi-faith, nonpartisan online community. Listen to that. Let's say it again. A diverse, multi-faith, nonpartisan online community that's dedicated to the uses of mindful improv for healing relationships across the political divide and building a peaceful, just, beautiful future for our country. 
that's another whole podcast for another time. But what a great uh, way to uh, to give back to your community and to to something that's really needed. So I have some questions um, definitely for you, but welcome today, Andrea. I know that you are in process of doing school at home, (laughs) getting to your office, (laughs) having all those things. So before we get kind of um, into the questions, you know, just tell us a little bit about, about you. Yeah. So um, I'm Ron's daughter, as you noted. And, um, you know, it was interesting leaving the Canton sort of like Nazarene community when I moved here to Pittsburgh because it was the first time that saying I'm Ron Flack's daughter didn't really mean anything to people. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, so I had to kind of grow to this point on my own chops, so to speak. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, but um, in all seriousness, uh, my husband and I have lived here in Pittsburgh for about 11 years. We met at a small Mennonite school in uh, Western Ohio and then came to the big city. <laughs> it's yes. kind of a joke because Pittsburgh is not that huge of a city, but compared to the small Mennonite community where we met, it's ginormous. And yeah, we've just kind of been building our lives together, figuring out um, what we're going to do with our careers and with our passions. And We were fortunate in 2019 to adopt our two children after a pretty long journey with foster care um, that was really hard, but also very informative about um, really what mindful improv is to me. And it really gave me an interesting opportunity to put some of these ideas about engaging vulnerable, delicate, high stakes confrontation, really put that stuff to the test because there is there are a few circumstances I've encountered that are as uncomfortable and as uh, delicate as the experience of being in family court and the experience yeah. of navigating, you know, our children's birth family and, and wanting to really do a good job of honoring who these people are to them, while at the same time, you know, acknowledging some of the adult realities that they don't understand Um so anyhow, we there's kind of a lot of perspectives that have fed into the work that I do, but I think it's all connected. I mean, we're all sure. human people, and it's been really fascinating. I mean, there there were a few trainings or speaking engagements and things um, in some of those really tough chapters of our foster care experience where, you know, I would be crying in my car and then have to, like, pull it together and go in and, and do this work. And I found that the more often that I was just real about, like, that energy at the beginning, the more frequently people would be like, you know what, we're actually a foster family too, or I grew up in foster care behind the name tag, behind the job title. You know, this person isn't just the chief bean counter at XYZ company. They're a human person. And these experiences are more shared than we realize. So anyhow, that's a lot of information to a short question, but I, I think it's all... It's actually a great, (laughs) it's a great set to, to go through the questions because this is personal for you as well as this is what you do professionally. So it all connects. So, so I love, I love your, who are you story. It it went long, but okay, I'm good. Yeah. So work that I'm teaching other people doesn't, it's not just stuff that sounds good. It's stuff that I have to use in my daily life. So I, I swear by it because I see it work, you know? Well, how did you end up then, you were in corporate America, and mm-hmm. you went to comedy. Let's start yeah. there. <laughs> A left turn not many people in my life saw coming. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so when I was working at the 
behavior change, the, the research study that, I, that you mentioned when you were reading my bio, um, it was focused on smoking cessation, but certainly focused on a variety of aspects of um, when someone is experiencing addiction and trying to make a behavior change. While I was working there, I had this idea for a tech startup. And so I was like, in the evenings working on this idea with one of my coworkers uh, who also worked at the study. And, you know, we're like pitching at startup weekend and doing all this. We actually won. And part of our package that we won was a membership to the Pittsburgh Tech Council. They offered this free training that was called Improv for CEOs. And even though I was like 23 and didn't know <laughs> what I was doing at all, sure, I was technically the CEO of this idea, you know, in, a, in any way that you can be the CEO of an idea. So I got to go to this workshop and I went, I honestly, I don't know what possessed me to go to this thing other than I love to connect with people through laughter and it seemed like it would be fun. And a lot of my life was just burning the candle at both ends. And so I think I just kind of wanted a little break. Yeah. But so I was prepared for it to be fun. I was not prepared for it to be so meaningful. And it was like, we got in there and, you know, it's all about being in the moment and listening beyond your comfort zone and being sacrificial in the way you support your scene partners, even if you don't totally understand their ideas yet, even if you're sure that they're wrong or they misheard the audience suggestion, you know, so like being brave enough to offer your own contributions instead of just hanging out on the sidelines, watching other people do it, you know? So there's this, there's all these skills that were happening in the moment. And I was watching these other CEOs. I I called them real CEOs at the time, but I've listened to enough imposter syndrome podcasts since then to know I shouldn't say that. (laughs) But, um, you know, I'm like watching these grown adult men be silly in front of each other and watching like the sweat, the sweat on their temples as they decided whether or not they were seriously going to let their guard down, you know, and be vulnerable in that way in front of people in their professional network. And I just sat there thinking, oh my God, like this is way bigger than what anyone in this room maybe sees. Like these skills will change these people's lives. Like if they sign up for improv classes and they keep doing this for real, like we are going to learn a whole new way for being professionals in America. And so that's how, that's how it got started. Like this idea planted in my brain and I was like, dag, what we're doing here, these are evidence-based, like we understand the benefits of mindfulness practice, for example, you know, we understand um, from a social science perspective, what's happening in someone's brain when they really try to become something, you know, different than what they've been before. You know, we understand what what is happening when they jump from one bucket to the next in this trans theoretical model, which I don't know how how far down this rabbit hole we want to go on this interview. No, but I I think that you've explained, I mean, obviously you were in corporate America already using science, already very aware of science on behavior. Mm -hmm. And then you you saw comedy of people just and and letting their guard down. Mm -hmm. But if you could wrap your, 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 in, in one sentence, wrap for me or say, my mindful improv is, how mm. would you break that into one sentence? Because Mindful we got to give people insight because it's not common, you know? Yeah, yeah. So mindful improv is being present in the current moment and, first of all, choosing curiosity instead of judgment. Mm. 
about whatever is happening around you. That's the first part, choosing curiosity instead of judgment. That's the mindfulness piece. The improv piece is very empowering because that's about the understanding that this will be what I build it to be. I, I am creating this in this moment alongside somebody else. It's not prescribed for me. We're building it together. So it's mindful improv in one sentence is being present in this moment with curiosity instead of judgment and being empowered to know that I have the ability to build something different if I don't like how it is right now. Got it. So what I want you to do after this podcast is email that to me because I want that somewhere on my wall. I love yes. how that that <laughs> rolls. And that's a great way to, to say it. Um, definitely. It, gives, it, it definitely gives my audience and me, okay, now that all makes sense. Wow. that's And, and, and at the same time, you're going, that's a lot. That's a lot to think on. So yeah. my podcast, you know, is to inspire women. And I have mm-hmm. a lot who are business owners or they're women in business or they just, whatever reason, like listening to Betty Collins ramble. I don't know. Okay. But, but how can we apply mindful improv to business? What's the connection? Yeah. So there are lots and lots of connections and there are some that are more superficial than others. I started out with the, with the business application of sales because when I worked in corporate, I was the director of marketing at um, a different company here in Pittsburgh. And I was getting sales calls all day long from people, you know, and just thinking I would feel so much less throat punchy if any of these people had taken an improv class and they were actually listening to me instead of just reading from a script. Like, it's so irritating yeah. to feel like, you know, we are not having a human conversation right now. So my first instinct was, let me teach, like, sales, you know, to people and help them have normal human being connections in, as they're doing business development, basically. So that was my first inclination. But as I started doing that, I realized, wow, what I really care about so much more is empathetic leaders who care so much about culture, helping them build a culture that consistently is in alignment with their values. Because as I started going into companies, what I realized is, you know, even when people, when, when their, you know, employers or whatever are telling me that there's such a toxic culture and whatever, what I've realized is that I go into the office and, you know, on occasion, it's been my job to have the hard conversation that others don't want to have um, with a certain leader or whatever. And I'm expecting, you know, cloven hooves and a tail based on what people have been saying. And then I get in there and realize they it is not their intention for it to be this way. Like they're more aware than they realize, you know, than other people realize is what I meant to say of the the cultural issues and their role in it more often than not. When you give someone an environment that's safe to be real, you know, and they don't feel like they have to be defensive and whatever, they'll be honest. Like most people are not stupid. People tell me all the time. So-and-so is a sociopath or they're a, you know, whatever people love to tell me um, that everyone is a narcissist. (laughs) And as a social worker, I'm like, okay, well that's like a diagnosable personality disorder. And (laughs) I don't actually think that, you know, the majority of leaders or the majority of managers are narcissists or sociopaths or whatever. But um, anyhow, so the, the, deepest application for me that that I have chosen to use, because like I said, there are a lot of them 
when it just comes to like, help us be more creative in our, you know, quarterly planning meeting or whatever. I used to do that type of thing. But now what I really care about is build a culture that consistently matches your values. And how we do that is by modeling that behavior day in and day out of being vulnerable and in the way that you handle confrontation. Because culture is really determined. It's not determined by the posters on your wall, right? It's really determined by the moments when people are being vulnerable and how you respond to that. So vulnerable is we're brainstorming and I'm pitching an idea that's bold, you know, instead of kind of a safe vanilla idea, I'm pitching something that feels a little bit scary. How is that received? You know, don't ask people for amazing ideas if, you know, they know they're going to get laughed at even a little bit. Um, you know, those those sort of we call them microaggressions that let people know, oh, really, your vulnerability is not welcome here. Your dangerous <laughs> idea. No, thanks. Yeah. You know um, how people how do you respond when people are advocating for themselves when they're saying I need paternity leave or whatever the case may be? I want this type of opportunity. I want a promotion. I want a raise. What is the infrastructure for yeah. you to consistently be who you intend to be day in and day out. So some of these things might sound really tactical, but the reality is if it were so easy to just implement, you know, have your HR person implement a checklist, everyone would have done it by now. Right. The reality is that in between the checklist is a lot of improv. I've never said it like that before, but I'm really glad I just did because I mean it. Like I love in that. between those checklist components is yeah. improv and it's how you respond, you know, in your day-to-day communication with people, how you show up, you know, what is people's lived experience with you as a leader? And so much of that is about mindful improv, being in the moment, being present in the moment with curiosity instead of judgment and giving yourself permission to build something different than what you thought you were building five minutes ago. Even. Well, I would tell you that um, you probably surprise a lot of your clients when you do get there and mm-hmm. you give that much openness And that much freedom is what I hear. Mm -hmm. So probably there's a little bit of, hey, this is terrifying, right? So most people would think (laughs) of this as terrifying. Even my audience might now be hearing you going, this would be a scary thing or never work in in my office. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you say to people who say this will never work in our office and they would be way too intimidated and this is terrifying? What would you say to them? Um, yeah. you know, simply to get them to consider it. Yeah. Well, the first thing that I would say is you've been an improviser your whole life. Like we've all been doing improv. Improv isn't scary. You know, we are improvising right now. Nobody was given a playbook on how their life was going to go the day they were born. You've been improvising since your very first infantile desire to connect with another person, those first smiles, the first time you realize when I do this, my parents laugh, like you've been improvising your entire life. You couldn't be more equipped to be a fantastic improviser. What's scary is performance. That's what's scary, feeling put on the spot and like, oh, I better say something funny. So most of the time when people say they're scared of improv, what they're really scared of is performance. Because as I've said, we've been improvising our whole lives. So in order to make these workshops push people to the perfect point where they're out of their comfort zone, which is critical, we have to be vulnerable, we have to be courageous, but we don't need to be traumatized. And so to toe that line, I've just removed the performance component. So 
all of the activities that happen happen in a way that is psychologically safe, as we say in the world of social science, to make sure people feel like they can participate without being put on the spot. You've always intrigued me as I've watched you on LinkedIn or seen this subject matter, and certainly for a CPA. And at the same time, this type of method, this type of mindset could really be, I, I think, change change your organization, change that mm-hmm. culture, which then mm-hmm. changes the organization. So I just wanted my audience to know more about it. My last question for you, Andrea, is what is the most important um thing that you've learned as an improviser now you've done it all your life but actually in been intentional about it as a company and a profession that you see has helped leaders in the in the professional setting it really is the curiosity over judgment piece and sometimes that's difficult to hear or sometimes better said sometimes it's more receivable to say curiosity instead of certainty. Because I think, you know, people are like, I'm not judgmental. I'm open-minded. And everyone wants to talk about innovation, you know? And, but so the reality is that when you walk in and you're certain that you know what kind of person you're dealing with, you know? And so it's it's about the story that we've been telling ourselves. And I think the most, what I've heard in the feedback, because of course I do evaluations every time. um, And so what I've heard in the feedback is that the most impactful component of this is the permission and the tools for changing the story you tell yourself about your boss or your team or, you know, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to start working on this project that I think we really need to be working on at this company, whatever it is, until I have such and such a person in place. You know, we got to get these, we got to get these problems ironed out. And, and so the story there is it's not perfect yet. I don't have the perfect team in place. I can very clearly see the ways that different people are imperfect, the way that, you know, Todd is ruining our culture, whatever it is. Like (laughs) there's always this like very clear story people have been telling themselves and they're so used to telling that story. And it's like, listen, you might have evidence and they always do. They always are like, do you want to see the emails? I can prove it. You're not going to believe what he said to me. And I'm like, I believe you. I'm not here to tell you that you're a liar. I'm here to say that we are all more than the worst thing about us. And if we wait forever, if we wait for perfect scene partners in order to make bold choices, in order to get started on being the kind of culture, the kind of team that we want to be, if we're waiting for perfect circumstances, you're going to wait forever and you will never get started. And the other piece of advice that I always give people that I think is pretty critical in this work is that, Habits don't change as quickly as circumstances do. And really, all of the things that I teach people, you know, I I tell people in in every training, I don't talk about listening skills. I talk about listening hygiene because a skill is like driving a stick shift or playing the piano. After a while, you can phone it in. You don't have to be present minded with it. That's not what listening is. That's not what improv is. That's not what communicating is. You need to be present in this moment, and it's more like hygiene. You didn't get to learn about showering in sixth grade or whenever you do your hygiene stuff and be like, sweet, I'm clean now. It takes proactive effort every day, right? Or you're going to stink, and that won't be because something's wrong with you. (laughs) It'll be because your body is functioning as it should, you know? And so when we see people and they're quote-unquote stinky for the purposes of this analogy – it's really easy to get stuck proving to yourself and proving to anyone who will listen to you that they stink, you know, that they have fallen off with their listening hygiene, their communication hygiene, instead of realizing like, okay, well, 
how can I encourage hygiene? Like maybe I can provide soap instead of deciding that this person isn't worth my time, you know, or that, that this is a critical problem. And so, you know, those habits that you make of deciding what kind of person you're dealing with and then getting married to that story, those habits don't change as quickly as circumstances do. That person could leave your team tomorrow and you will still be the kind of person, quote unquote, to use your own language, that's just decided, I'm going to commit to this narrative. I am going to be, you know, constantly stacking people up and evaluating and deciding, you know, who's worth my time and investment and who's not. Or I'm the kind of leader that is looking for problems instead of solutions. Or do you get what I'm saying? Like those habits that you make in your brain, they don't change as fast as circumstances do. I had a client who was like stuck on this awful hamster wheel with this investor that they hated. And they had grown from like, I these numbers are not exact. It was something like 15 employees to 70 employees in a year, which in startup world is just insane. And so it changes everything about your culture. So I was working with the newly uh, hired HR person about, you know, how can we address some of these culture issues? And when I was talking with their leaders, you know, they're like, well, we can't really do anything about this because this investor, this investor, this investor. And it's like in six months, this person might not be here. And you're still building a culture where, you know, we're pretty much addicted to worry at this point, you know. Yeah. Anyhow, so I, I didn't mean to ramble. You can cut yeah, the that, last five that's minutes perfectly out of fine. <laughs> yeah. You fit in right with my podcast. It's what I do. <laughs> so, yeah. But I do, I do want to wrap it up. First, I want to say thank you for coming today between virtual school or kids' homeschool and your office and all the stuff that is going on, right? And spending time yeah. with my audience is very appreciated. And again, I want you to leave them with that one sentence on what is mindful improv, because I love it, but I will never be able to say it back. So t- just give us that last tidbit. Absolutely. So mindful improv is, first of all, being present in this moment with curiosity instead of judgment. Got it. And second of all, being empowered to know that you are currently building whatever is going to come next and you have the freedom to decide what will happen next. You're building it with your scene partner. It's not decided for you. Wonderful. That's perfect. Now, how can we find you? I know you're probably on all kinds of social media uh, platforms and your contact information, but give us the place that just gets us to you. What's your website? Yeah, andbeyondimprov.com is where you can go. If you're interested in doing an improv workshop, that's great. I do a lot of, um, well, in a pre-pandemic world, I loved speaking at events. When events are a thing again, I will be glad to speak at your event. I also do more individual coaching that's less um, of the workshop improv game stuff and more really down into the heart of leadership. Um, But yeah, you can find all of that information at andbeyondimprov.com. Great. Well, today we learn if you want different results, try a different approach. I think this has a lot to it. I think we just touched the surface of it today. And we will have all kinds of information about Andrea and her companies uh, that you'll be able to find on this podcast so you can connect to her. Um, And I am Betty Collins, and I'm so glad you joined me today. Inspiring women, it's what I do. And I leave you with this. Being strong speaks of strength, but being courageous speaks to having a will to do more and overcome. 
As your career advancements continue, your financial opportunities will grow. You need to be prepared. And you can do that by going to our website, bradyware.com, to find out more about us and the accounting services that we provide. All this and more about the podcast can be found in the episode show notes.